Before we continue, we'd like to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Newcastle Business District. The Newcastle Business District continues to promote, develop, and enhance our downtown business area through community projects, promotions, and economic development. It was first created in 1983 under the name Newcastle Business Association and was renamed Downtown Miramichi Business Network. This was following Newcastle's incorporation into the new city of Miramichi in 1999. In 2006, it was renamed again to Newcastle Business District. Despite the many changes in its name over the years, the organization's goal has always remained the same, which is to further enhance the active growth of the downtown business community, Newcastle Business District. Shop Downtown Newcastle. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, uh, coming at you today with our last Tuesday episode of the year um, or of, of the season of the show. Um, basically, how it's going to go. Uh, so, of course, we have this week's episode coming out on Tuesday, uh, uh, December 18th or 19th. 19th, is it? Yeah, 19th. And then uh, our season finale is going to be out on Saturday because I'm going to be taking the week off for uh, Christmas, and uh, that'll 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 wrap it up for this year of the podcast. And we will be back with uh, season three, all new episodes starting on uh, Tuesday, January second. And uh, as you guys knew, you guys know the usual uh, rigmarole, and uh, back to regular Tuesday uh, episodes. So, uh, thank you all for uh, uh, joining me, of course, on this journey. It's been a it's been a, gr- a great great time. We just did episode 100 last week. It was a long episode. For those of you guys who listened to the whole thing, thank you. Um, <laughs> not sure how many of you listened to the whole thing because I knew it was fairly long, but had a great time doing it. Have a great time doing this podcast. Period. And uh, just thank you guys for supporting it. Still means a lot. Um, so just a couple things before we get started today. Um, first off, uh, you guys will know f- who follow us on social media. There were two things uh, that I put out. Uh, one is our Night of One Acts, uh, two amazing uh, one-act plays, uh, very funny, very heartfelt shows that we're doing on January 12th at the Beerbrook Kin Center. Tickets are $25 and can be purchased at the door or by texting or calling 506-624-3315. Uh, calling ahead is encouraged. It's a one-night dessert theater, so uh, it kind of just helps us and, and, and the bakers and stuff know what to prepare. So if you could call ahead, if at all possible, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated uh, and uh, just give us a rough number of uh, what we're dealing with and what we should prepare uh so there's that one um next up you guys uh also probably have noticed of course we had to postpone uh playhouse coral uh that was set to happen back in november uh we are looking at uh early march sometime in march we're thinking uh reg is doing awesome uh he really appreciates everyone's uh heartfelt uh, messages and thoughts he's on the mend he's doing great he got the green light he's allowed to uh get back up and running and uh so it's just great very very thankful that uh everything's gonna be okay with him he's doing awesome he's healthy and uh show must go on <laughs> but uh we're definitely uh doing it uh as um uh make it easy on him as humanly possible easy on just just everything we can do to make it a uh, pleasant experience uh and so yeah so stay tuned on that i i, I kind of announced because i knew there were some people when they found out that we were doing a dessert theater they were kind of like what's going on like uh is playhouse coral canceled no no, no playhouse coral still happening uh and we're going to be announcing when we're doing it uh very very soon uh sometime early next year around march or so stay tuned um 
so that's all all I have for those announcements. So uh, moving on to the show today, um, our uh, guest today is uh, Cody Renee Cameron. Uh, Cody uh, Renee Cameron. Uh, she is a actress, model, stunt performer. Uh, she's actually appeared on uh, two movies on, on Netflix that I am such a huge fan of. Of course, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, and the recently released Old Dads. Um, uh, of course, the directorial debut of Bill Burr. Uh, she starred in both of those, and she's also appeared on shows like Mayans MC and a hell of a lot more. Uh, she is here to talk a little bit about her uh, new YouTube uh, series, uh, Riding Route 66, which you can find on YouTube at, on her channel, at Iron Pony Show. Say it again, at Iron Pony Show, all one word. Uh, definitely be sure to uh, check out with that. Uh, and uh, great conversation, great conversation. Uh, talk a lot about dogs, motorcycles, uh, Breaking Bad, all that good stuff. Uh, very, very... Uh, uh, fun person, great sense of humor, and uh, so she fit right in with the show. Um, <laughs> so uh, after that, later in the show, um, I'm going to be talking about, uh, we have, uh, this is something I just think it's crazy that it's been two years since Spider-Man No Way Home came out. So I thought, you know, two years, let's do a throwback review. So I'm going to do a throwback review to Spider-Man No Way Home to celebrate the two-year anniversary. And uh, and then later, I want to get my thoughts on, it was announced that Lucky Hank, which is, of course, the new Bob Odenkirk series that was on AMC uh, this past year, uh, has been canceled. It's not getting a season two, uh, which is a bummer, but we'll talk more about that later on. And uh, anyways, guys, uh, without further ado, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the last Tuesday show of the season, uh, at least until 2024. Uh, anyway, enjoy the show, guys. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Corkin Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corkin, and today I am joined by an actress, a model, stunt performer, a motorcycle rider, uh, all that uh, uh, good stuff, Cody Renee Cameron. Cody, how are you? Woo! So good. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I have to add in the audience uh, applause sound effect to this too. Um, so uh, I, I was like, yeah, in your head. <laughs> yes. Perfect. There we go. <laughs> I'll have to edit it all in. Um, so um, uh, we're, we we're talking before we um, uh, started uh, recording your uh, IMDB bio, which by the way, guys, uh, definitely be sure to uh, check it out. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, just a little glimpse of it. I thought it was really neat. Cody Renee Cameron is a cool cocktail compromised of raw acting talent and badass stunt work sprinkled with sexy and then shaken and poured into a chilled glass. <laughs> I just, and so it goes on from there. Uh, I just got to say, I love that. How did you, um, how, how did you come up with that? Were you like, uh, I want you, you know, like, there were two options for a bio. I can just keep it simple or I can just, you know, write something real, real fancy. How did you come up with that? <laughs> well, I feel like I've read other people's bios and they're just so basic. You know, it's like I am known for these three things. I am from here and I am this year's old. And I was like, I just like 
I I love entertainment. So let me make this a little bit more interesting. Yes, there you go. Put the entertainment in entertainment. Um, exactly. <laughs> so I see on, on here too, uh, I was kind of going through your uh, IMDb page. I love, uh, you have a dog named Cheeto. I love that name for a dog. Uh, what kind of dog is it? Cheeto is a Chihuahua poodle, and she actually got her name because when she poops, it looks like little chocolate Cheetos. Oh. <laughs> That's the perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. How'd you how'd you come up with the name for your dog? Well, uh, I I I made it based off his poops. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh my gosh, those look like chocolate Cheetos, and she looked at me with her big ears, and she was a puppy, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's your name, Cheeto. So. <laughs> It all just kind of worked out from there. And so Cheeto also appears uh, uh, from from uh, what I've heard. Uh, Cheeto also makes some appearances in some of your projects as well. Uh, what's it like uh, working alongside uh, your own dog on screen? Not many people can oh say my that. Gosh, I love it. She was in a. Um, oh, gosh. What was the name of the band? She Wants Revenge music video. Or She's been in a couple big projects and then she's been in a bunch of indie things with me. Um, She's a little older now. She's 15. So she uh, she has a spicy personality. She does not listen anymore, but she could do so many tricks before and she rides motorcycles with me. But now I have um, I got a puppy three years ago during COVID and I've trained him. So he rides motorcycles with me and stuff now. And his name is Chopper. Very appropriately named <laughs> all the C.H.'s. So then you'll get like a, a whole bunch of dogs, uh, uh, Chad or Chance or something like that. You'll just exactly. come up with all these we gotta different keep names. A theme. I love a theme. Yes. Got to keep it consistent. Keep it consistent. Um, I gotta, uh, so, I mean, one thing that I've learned, I mean, I, I got my dog last March. Uh, he's a year and a half. He's a golden doodle. And I got to say, I never realized until I got like my own dog just how uh what's the word like just how much they help you through all the stressful times especially like you know you're working on so many different projects and stuff like that you come home you're tired and then you just see that dog and you're like why am i angry like why am i stressed like like you know what i mean like what's it like uh with your dogs like do you find like once you get so stressed out once you see your dog it's the same as me where it's like oh my god i need to just take a step back and just realize why am i so mad why am i so stressed <laughs> Totally. Dogs are serenity. And even this morning I was a little tired. I got up at seven 30 and my, and chopper, especially he wakes up. Like he didn't know if he was going to wake up, you know, and he's like, Oh my gosh, we're awake again. Another full day of things that we get to do. I'm so excited to be alive. And I'm just like, I just want to take that energy and live every day. Like I didn't know if I was going to get to have today and now I get to have it. It's so freaking cute. I'm obsessed. <laughs> and, and with dogs, you can't be mad at them. Like if they wake you up early and it's a bad day, I'm just like, uh, whatever. It's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like I could just oh, never, okay. I could never be mad at a dog unless he does. Like, I don't know. Um, my dog, uh, broke my good earbuds there, uh, the other day I dropped it on the floor and he went to pick it up and he just chewed it all to pieces. I'm like, oh, there's like oh, no. almost $200 there gone, but whatever. It's a dog. I'm like, I can't be mad at you. I said, you're lucky you're cute. <laughs> Have they yeah. ever done moments where, where you'll yell at them and you're like, oh God, no, I can't. I just can't do that. Well, Cheeto, my senior is in diapers now. And so it's just so much work. And then she has to get medicine twice a day. And we've had so many like vet bills and stuff. But like, I would spend 
all the money in the world just to have another day with her. So I'm just so grateful. But um, yeah, when she poops her diaper, sometimes I wonder like, is this what I signed up for? But it is. And I love it. So better than kids, better than kids. Or people say, uh, do you have kids? I'm like, yeah, I got one uh, a year and a half. And they're like, oh, what? That's, that's, that's a dog. I'm like, oh, it's that's my kid. Don't don't question me. <laughs> exactly. For don't sure. judge me. Um, so uh, that uh, that was a great uh uh, first uh, discussion. I was like, as soon as I saw a dog named Cheeto, I had to ask you about that. So um, I had to ask. So um, I uh, once I found out uh, um, you uh, had a part in uh, for those of you guys who don't know, of course, uh, anybody who knows me knows how big of a Breaking Bad geek I am. Like, literally, I'm such a nerd for the for the for that, you know, franchise and all that. You played a part in the Breaking Bad movie El Camino as a uh, uh one of the escorts uh during the um it's like the big climax of the movie Spo- spoiler alert by the way for those of you guys who haven't seen El Camino I think I just <laughs> there's a climax <laughs> of the movie with escorts in it uh that's one thing that you guys you know spoiler alert uh what was it like working on that movie I just guess because it was you know it's 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 not an exaggeration for me to say that was probably like one of my most anticipated movies of all time and I'll, and probably for a lot of other people because I mean it's Breaking Bad. Uh, were you a big fan of uh, Breaking Bad uh, before you got on with the movie? Oh yeah, I think Breaking Bad was revolutionary. There was nothing like it. It was so unique and cool and so well done. Brian Cranston just incredible. Uh, Aaron Paul and and um, when I auditioned for it, they kind of you know Hollywood does this thing where they're like, oh, it's like you know Vince Gilligan, the showrunner. It's like a side project for YouTube. Like I, I literally thought I was doing like a YouTube short or something. I had no idea. <laughs> and I booked it and I still didn't know. And then it wasn't until I was on the plane there that I was kind of like, oh, we're like in first class. And I'm kind of starting to realize like, oh, this is like kind of a big deal that it leaked that there was a movie. And my manager's like texting me and he's like, oh my God, you're in the Breaking Bad movie. You're doing the break. And I was like, wait, wait, wait what? Like, what are we, what? That's so crazy. I had no idea. Um, and also, you saw it, obviously, so the part ended up being very small, but I actually had several pages of dialogue and stuff that all got cut. And so I thought uh-huh. that was going to be even more of like a bigger break. And then it wasn't. But um, <laughs> that is definitely a credit that I'm so proud of. And I'm so grateful that I got to do. I was with the team for a week in Albuquerque filming. And uh, gosh, everyone was just so professional, so talented so passionate about what they're doing and it was just it was really cool it was very inspiring yes definitely one credit to be i mean like just saying that you worked on breaking bad like that's that's literally a dream come true uh and uh and and yeah speaking of, uh, of i mean like we were talking about like the secrecy of the movie and stuff like that i was so impressed like you know hearing all the behind the scenes and stuff like that where um uh like they're filming uh in you know albuquerque obviously one person sees aaron paul down there and they're gonna say oh breaking bad and uh but still i was still shocked by just how good of a job they did at keeping it a secret and uh so of course they filmed the whole movie and then uh, it was like months later before they announced it what was it like uh because you know Anytime like Brian Cranston, I'd see all the interviews, Brian Cranston or Aaron Paul, they'd be asked, is there a Breaking Bad movie? They'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. What was it like for you hearing all the speculation going like, yeah, yeah, there's a Breaking Bad movie, but I can't say nothing. What was it like just keeping that secret? Oh, it was hard. 
because you want to like scream it from the rooftop and also I'm such a public person like I you know update my Instagram story every day of everything I'm doing all the time because that's like my brand is like hey this is my life and so it's so hard to like keep a secret you know I'm like ah I don't like secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but then as soon as it came out, you were just like, oh, thank God. It, uh, it's like there had to be a huge weight off your shoulder. Like, first off, now I can talk about it. And but then uh, there was also of, OK, I can finally talk to people without worrying. Oh, my God. Am I going to spill the beans? Am I going to say, you know, so, yeah. Uh, what were you filming in uh, Albuquerque there? Oh, the Breaking Bad movie. And then, oh, my God, there's Breaking Bad movie. And then it just spreads like spreads like a disease, <laughs> a good disease. But um. I gotta ask, what was it look like? Um, uh, did you get to to uh, work? I mean, you and Aaron Paul didn't share a whole lot of uh, screen time together. Uh, in the movie, I don't think really at all. I, I think it was he was just observing you guys from a distance. But mm. can can you uh, describe a little bit of uh, uh, what it was like with uh, uh, Aaron Paul? Because I mean, like you know, one of the best. I, I mean, no exaggeration, one of the best actors on TV. Like, uh, did you? Were you nervous going uh, into it and then like working with him or seeing him? Uh, how was that? Yeah, some people just have this presence about them, just this like crazy magnetism. And you can just tell they they're just they're a star. You know what I mean? Like even if you had never seen that person before, you can look at some people and just be like, oh, man, that person's a star. And Aaron has that. And um yeah, I got to do uh, when I was filming a scene, Vince Gilligan, the director, was very cool about letting us kind of improv lines you know you don't have to like you know the script is like the skeleton but actors are allowed to add the meat and a lot of stuff you know unless you're doing comedy then you kind of have to hit these beats but um you know so I'm like walking out of the warehouse and I'm talking about Cheeto actually I'm like oh I just want to go home and take a bath with cuddle with my dog whatever like I'm talking about Cheeto so I'm just you know really living in the moment of like what I would actually want to do and that line like made it in there which I thought was so cool but then um we were trying to figure out there's like so many logistics that you don't think about. Like when I'm at home studying lines, I'm not, I don't know what the actual scene is going to look like. So at the end, when we like get in the car or whatever, like they're like, Oh, well the gates closed. So we need to go open the gates, but like, you don't want to take a lot of time. Cause that's not really an important aspect, you know, or whatever. And they're like, how are we going to open the gate? And then I'm like in heels and I'm like, well, let me just like run over there and sling it open. And it's like, it seems so simple, but that was like kind of a long conversation. And then like, so we like try it or whatever and it, it worked and they're like, oh, that was like really brilliant. Oh yeah, you know, just, and then like I run back and I'm like, wait for me. Cause that's like what I would say in real life. And so um, <laughs> it's just like really cool to see it all come together. And I guess um, afterwards, uh, so Aaron was on set for all of that and kind of watching. And then another actor texted me after that and was like, hey, I just want you to know that Aaron said that you're like really good at improv. Um, he was like talking about you after you left. And I was like, ah! like I like screenshotted the text and I should print it and like frame it. Cause I thought that was so cool <laughs> coming from somebody who is so amazing at their craft. It was just such a huge compliment. Oh my God. Absolutely. And one thing about Aaron Paul that always blew me away as well was the fact that I heard, I don't know how true it is. He never took, to, took an acting lesson in his life. That's what I heard about Aaron Paul. I'm like, there's no way. And then I kept looking into it. And they said, no, apparently he didn't, you know, study acting. He didn't do nothing like that. He just started working in TV, no experience. And look at this. You would you wouldn't have been able to tell. I'm like, there's no way. Like, wow, that's just he just he, he just has that natural like like that's just un unbelievable and just 
that compliment right there from Aaron Paul. You should put that in your uh, IMDb. Aaron Paul said, <laughs> "Improv sure. certified or uh, certified certified by Aaron Paul." Like that's yeah, four stars amazing. from Aaron Paul. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> four stars from Aaron Paul. That's perfect. Um, and um, uh, speaking, uh, you were talking about like you know uh, uh, differences working in a drama versus a comedy. You also did another Netflix film that just came out which I love that movie so much. Old Dads, of course, uh, Bill Burr's uh, directorial debut. I mean, there's another guy right there. I mean, one of, if not the funniest guy there is. You know what I mean? And uh, 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 the fact that you got to take part in his directorial debut. uh, What can you tell us about uh, Old Dads? Oh my gosh, that was such a privilege. Um, I admire people so much that are willing to write their own stuff, produce it and act in it and direct it. I mean, those are all individual jobs that people want to do. And now you're doing all four of them at the same time. Like it was just really incredible. And the set was so fun because you could tell it's like a bunch of friends, you know, like they're all friends, you know, you hire actor friends and you're the people you've worked with before. And um, yeah, we were like, we're filming in a strip club. So there's already kind of just this element of like, oh, it's like a big party, even though it's like six in the morning or whatever. And um, yeah, my boobs were out for a very long time that day. You don't see them. I mean, you definitely see them. But like, there are so many times where I'm like in the background, like walking by a table or like, um, there's a scene with two actors and it's like, they're watching the stage and there's like, you can tell there's a stripper there and her shoes go in front of the scene or whatever. I'm like, those are my shoes, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like, you know, when those close-ups are happening, there's usually a whole scene going on at the same time that they're like interacting with that you might not like see on camera. It doesn't make the cut or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was just also really cool to be around people and a lot of improv happening and just a lot of like, collaborative group effort to make this movie you know it's not just like one person going like okay no you say this and you do this it's kind of just this group zeitgeist all working together and it was so cool he's so funny and so charming and oh it was just a, it was a good time man oh my god that's awesome like i remember ju- uh, uh, ju- just uh, reading through i said oh my god old dads like wow that's insane and uh um as you said like bill burr he wrote produced directed uh, and starred in it all at once like that's a lot of you as you said those are each each of those are jobs in and of themselves and the fact that he did all that uh and the movie turned out awesome it was it was uh, such a shame um that i mean like you know listen to his podcast and stuff like that he wasn't able to properly promote it because of the uh writers or the actor strike well both of them really like what for sure like, how, how did that affect you? Because, I mean, like, you know, obviously uh, you're working, doing all kinds of stuff, but you're like, shit, I can't talk about my stuff because of the actor strike. Like, what was that uh, all like? And it must be great now that that's finally, you know, past us. People can talk about it. What's it like uh, or what was it like for you personally? I mean, it's such a bummer that it stuff like that affects people kind of on the lower middle end the most. So, like, my career will get like uh, the ball rolling a little bit and then like COVID will happen and shut it down. And when things open back up, that momentum isn't there. You have to rebuild it, you know? And like, same thing with the strike is like, Oh, I just did this cool. I just had two episodes of Mayans come out and I just had this Bill Burr movie. And now I can't talk about any of it. Now I can't do interviews. Now I can't go to premieres and meet people and red carpets. And it's just like, man, like 
you work, you know, I've been in the game for a little over 10 years and my acting coach always jokes, oh, after 10 years, that's when you can become an overnight success, you know, because you're just plucked from a, nobody knows who you are. And all of a sudden you get that one project that like propels you forward. And I keep, I like keep getting these gifts, you know, these little gems, like, oh, an episode here, a big name here. And then it just seems like the universe is like, no, but, um, uh, so that was, that was really hard. But then when I did finally get to talk about it, everyone was like, holy shit, that's so cool. So that was pretty cool. And it wasn't too long after, I think it came out and then two weeks later, the strike ended. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely used that time though in the best way possible. I'm tired of waiting for the gatekeepers, AKA casting and producers to give me permission to work on something. And I just took life by the balls and I was like, I'm going to make my own thing that I really want to do. And I ride motorcycles. And so I rode my motorcycle across country and filmed everything. And um, yeah, I made my own show. It's called the Iron Pony Show. And it's coming out on YouTube. I'm on episode six right now, um, kind of about the story. And it's like, you know, travel, reality, like hot chick on a motorcycle, which just doesn't exist right now. Like there are shows like Norman Reedus Ride and Ewan McGregor has The Long Way Down and on all those. But, um, you know, there's no... There's a lot of culture and we think of like Anthony Bourdain and Guy Fieri and all these like big personalities traveling, eating, doing cool stuff. Where are the women? And so I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I'm I'm so proud of it. And then I'm going to use that to pitch to big reality like travel channels uh, this next year. And that's kind of the goal. But I was able to really use that time because I would have never been able to take three months off of work and do all that stuff, you know, cause we're always kind of booking things or we have to be here to audition and stuff. And so for me, it was a blessing. Um, or I like made sure that it turned into a blessing, even though it also sucked. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was, uh, it was funny because, uh, the last time that we had something close in recent years of, uh, the whole, uh, entertainment industry being shut down was cause of COVID in that case, it was like, you, li you literally couldn't do anything like no matter what like like you were just cooped up at home in this case it, it, it was i can't work but i can still do stuff you know what i mean <laughs> like it was uh that was you know like what do you prefer a writer strike or a pandemic uh maybe a strike i might go with the strike is that way i can actually get out of my house and do stuff um so yeah so yeah uh, as I mentioned at the top and you were talking a little bit motorcycle like that's that's a huge thing you you you're you're a big uh uh, uh, motorcycle enthusiast and uh, your upcoming show. And then, of course, um, on uh, YouTube, you have uh, riding uh, Route 66, which I was uh, keeping up with. Uh, feel free to uh, plug that as well. I I, I I have actually checked that out uh, as well, too. So awesome work on that. Thank uh, you. Feel free to plug that. Yeah. So actually, funny, we're talking about Breaking Bad because I think episode five, we go through Albuquerque. And we go to the Owl Cafe where a scene from Breaking Bad was filmed. And I get to interview the manager and we uh, show some of my footage from Breaking Bad and stuff. So the whole show is kind of like you get to know me and my background as I do interviews with small business owners. And then you get to see the adventure part. And also the favorite feedback I've gotten from it is that people are like, wow, I really want to ride Route 66 now, like or drive it or I want to take a road trip. I want to get out. And like, I didn't even know like Victorville is like an hour from us. And people are like, I didn't even know that that cool restaurant was there. Now I want to go see it. And I was like, that means the world to me. And I have this hot pink motorcycle, motorcycle trailer and my bike has pink flames. And so my other favorite thing is when little girls like come up and they're like, whoa, that's so cool. And I'm like, dude, you can do it too. Like 
it's a male dominated sport, but don't be scared. Like get out there, get a dirt bike, you know, like ask your dad to take you to a motorcycle show. Like it's just, I just love inspiring other people because life is too short to just like sit on your phone, you know? Yes. And that's a problem with, with a lot of people nowadays. It's just <laughs> like, like literally if I was going to be like, uh, what people are, are like nowadays you'd be talking and I just be doing this. I just be scrolling through my phone. I'm sorry. Were you still talking Cody? Like, you know, like, like that's a oh, people. Feel. It's unbelievable. Oh. Like this, you know, I feel like such an old time, but this generation here, blah, blah, blah. it's like, well, no, I'm like, <laughs> I know. And I'm, I'm guilty of it. Like I will turn on a movie that I want to watch and then I'll be on my phone and I'm like, what? And then I'm working on my iPad and I'm like, Oh, I've got the, the small computer, the medium computer and the big computer. And I'm not really paying Like, what am I doing? You know? So <laughs> This is weird. I feel like such a hypocrite, you know, like, what, uh, why am I doing this? Uh, 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 do you take your dogs for uh, bike rides too? Or uh, they have seats there? Like, uh, uh, what's it like uh, riding with them? Might be a little. Yeah. So Cheeto was my original. She like, that's how I learned to ride with the dog. And she loves it. I mean, if I, I go to this drawer and that's where her backpack is. And as soon as I open it, she comes like racing out and she's ready to go. And she's got pink doggles and a pink Harley jacket um she's 15 now though so she's pretty much retired from riding i'll still take her on short rides occasionally but chopper is the rider now and he did the yeah he did the cross-country trip with us and um we hired a support vehicle driver just in case anything happened and so chopper mostly hung out in the truck because he i think he preferred that instead of you know we're riding for like five six hours straight and so um he hung out in the truck a lot but he also likes to ride so it just depends but they love it Oh no, that absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I was always kind of uh kind of wondering because I mean um uh you know where are they gonna sit? You know what I mean I've never heard of anything uh, like that. Is that what you thought at first? You're like, should I take them on the bike or should I? You know if if I'm if I'm gonna take them for a drive, should I take them in the car? Uh, and th- is that kind of how it started with you? Or so I got my first bike ten years ago, and it, I hadn't ever seen anybody ride with a dog before. I think it's kind of like common now or maybe i don't know but um i never knew how I, common it was actually i had no idea yeah. if people did that and then i saw the odd person on tiktok doing i'm like well people do that like wow <laughs> yeah and then once you're what you know how tiktok like the algorithm once you see one video like that if you like it now you see all the videos like that so i feel like that's why i see so many dogs on motorcycles now but um yeah i just had gone into this pet store and there was a backpack where like their head would stick out of. I not I don't know that it was necessarily meant for motorcycle riding, but it was, you know, meant to like carry them and it had like all these cool attachments. It felt very safe. And I like slipped her in there and I was like, oh, this like feels pretty good. And then I was like, oh, I could just, you know, take her on the motorcycle. It goes, you can put it in the front or the back. So I started in the front. So I could kind of watch her and monitor. And I rode with a friend who could watch her and monitor. And then I was like, dude, she loves this. And then I would just throw her on the back and we would just go. And then it got to be she loved it so much. I wouldn't even like worry about it anymore. I, I rode her up to um, Big Bear, I think is the furthest we went, which is like a three hour ride and, um, you know, go be in nature. And she loves hiking and all that. So this dog, they're, they're living their best lives. <laughs> very adventurous. They're very, very lucky. That's for sure. They are super lucky. Um, and what's this I hear? Uh, um, uh, I, I was going through your uh, IMDb. It says you're never afraid to wield a microphone. So are you a comedian? Uh, as well too i never knew about that i did the stand-up circuit for probably six months um i i played at the comedy store you know so i felt like oh okay i made it i played it like the biggest 
to me, the biggest place in the world, right? The comedy store, the laugh factory in Hollywood um, or in Los Angeles. And then I was like, yep. All right. I'm good. I don't love it. Like I really prefer scripted TV. Although I guess that's funny because I'm doing a reality travel show where it's not scripted, (laughs) but, um, but even then I definitely, I prefer using other people's words. Um, there's just, I guess, honestly, there's maybe, uh, it's a little less vulnerable because you are using someone else's words. Whereas like comedy is just, you are up there. You are responsible for everything. It is not a team effort. And like, also as a, like a young, attractive female, when you get up there, people want to hate you and you have to win them over. Whereas if you are more of like, like a unique looking kind of dorky male, they want to root for you. So people like to root for the underdogs and they like to hate the people that they think are like better than them. And to me, it just felt like a really toxic environment. And also like, I don't know, I would always invite my friends and then I would feel obligated to like, oh, let me like buy your ticket or like, let me buy you a drink. And it started to get really expensive. Um, (laughs) I'm here to make money. I'm not here to lose money. (laughs) And also it's just, you know, comedy doesn't happen in the morning. It's late nights and, you know, everyone's kind of drinking and doing drugs. And it was really cool for the six months that I did it. And I just got really burned out on it. And I was like, no, I'm just gonna. And then what if, if I have auditions, I have to like get up early. You know what I mean? It just, it didn't, the lifestyle didn't suit what I was wanting to do. So I'm glad I did it. I learned so much. It was a very unique experience. I have so much respect for comedians. Oh my gosh. I think it's the hardest thing that you could do. I think it's the hardest thing and the most underappreciated thing. Stand-up comedy and um, dancers. Like dancers have to like classically trained dancers obviously train so much and they are so underpaid compared to like other people. So anyway, oh dancers and comedians, you guys rock. <laughs> you guys are the best. Absolutely. Have yeah. you ever tried dancing too? Or Oh my gosh. So when I first moved out here, I'm from a small Southern town and there I'm just the best at everything, right? Like I can dance and I can sing. I can play open mic nights, whatever. You get to LA and you realize you are not the best at anything. In fact, everyone is better than you at everything that you thought that you were good at in your small town. And so, yeah, I went to a dance audition and I was like watching people stretch and like warm up. And I was like, oh no, whatever. I don't belong here. I do not belong here. And um, I snuck out when they were teaching choreography. I was like, I'm good. This is not what I <laughs> This is not good. <laughs> don't, dig Very yourself, don't dig yourself into the hole. But when you uh, um, when you realize looking down, this isn't uh, where I want to go. Just get out before you go any further. I probably just butcher that whole analogy, but you guys get the idea. Um, yeah, I, I got it. I got it. But, you know, you don't know like you. I was so I was in culture shock when I got here. I didn't know anything about the industry. You know, I grew up we grew up with sports and church and getting married when you're 20, you know, like there wasn't a lot of like, go explore the world and go understand things differently. And like, you can make a living being an, a performer. Like that was, that's, that wasn't even in my vocabulary. I just, I knew I wanted to work in entertainment. I didn't really, I knew like I wanted to be a performer. I just didn't know if that was a thing. And then I got telling, I was like, Oh my God, it's definitely a thing, but you have to just figure out where you belong. And I remember having this like existential crisis where, um, I was going to castings and again, I didn't really know who I was. So I was trying to figure it out. And I would go to something that was like girl next door and they would say, Oh, you're too playboy. And I was like, okay. So then I would go to something that was more like 
sexy, voluptuous, like playboy. And they'd be like, oh, you're too girl next door. And I was like, what? I don't know where I fit in. I don't know where I belong. And now it's so funny to look back because I'm like, oh, I'm not really either of those things. I think I'm like, I'm a little bit more like edgy and weird. And um, yeah, I've definitely, and I like motorcycles, you know, I'm a tomboy and that's the kind of stuff I like. And those were not the auditions that I was going out for because I didn't know. So an agent didn't, nobody knows, you know, until you know who you are, nobody's going to be able to like help you go to the right thing or whatever. And so it used to bother me, you know, because I'm like, oh, I don't know who I, I don't, I don't belong anywhere. And now I'm like, oh, okay. That like, that wasn't for me, but all good. I know what is for me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, comparing uh, yourself to others is always so hard. Uh, It's, it's never good to do that because uh, um, like, as you said, people say, oh, like (laughs) getting married at 20, there's people saying like, oh, you know, back when I was, you know, 19 or tw- or 18, I had my own house. It's like, OK, yeah, well, you grew up in a completely different <laughs> age than I did. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, so comparing yourselves to like, I don't know, like, you know, my parents did this when they were my age. And I want to make sure that that happens with me. It's like, well, you don't always have to go down that road. I mean, was uh, uh comparing yourself to others? Was that a big thing where uh eventually you kind of had to realize I'm just going to go my own journey. I'm not going to let anybody else influence me. How'd that go for you? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite quotes is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, anytime you're comparing, you're robbing yourself of like the experience that you were having through your own unique perspective. But um, I think it's totally human nature, right? Because we don't know in the beginning, like who we are, what we want. So we have to compare, right? I'm like, Oh, do I, do I want to, save money to buy the house? Is that where I see my life going? Or do I want to save money to travel? Is that what I want? You know, and you see people that are happy doing both and you're kind of like weighing your options or whatever. And, um, yeah, so I think it's totally natural. So you have to like give yourself grace to forgive that, but you definitely cannot do it for too long because it will drive you nuts. Um, and yeah, it's, it's actually crazy because we've been self-taping now doing self-taped auditions for so long where you don't go in a room and you don't see other people. But yeah, in the beginning you'd be like, okay, There'd be this unique breakdown, you know, like, oh, like pretty blonde girl, um, a little there's one. Yeah, it's like pretty blonde girl, a little rough around the edges. Someone could say white trash from the south, like, you know, uh, skinny or whatever, like very specific. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) hi, that's me. You know, grew up in a trailer park. I'm pretty skinny right now, whatever. Um, And I would go in and there'd be 20 other girls that look identical. Like if you lined us up, you could not pick me out from the lineup. And I'm like what the heck, you know, and you hear them through the auditioning room and they're like using the same accent and they've got the same like kind of like pause where you pause and you're just like, son of a, I thought this was unique. Um, (laughs) But again, that's just such a green and young mindset. Also, I just think human nature and then eventually you um, do a lot of self-work, you get used to the rejection and, um, and you just start to realize like, like, all right, like, that's cool. I'm just going to do me, you know, and if you if you genuinely authentically you, it sounds so cheesy, but you won't be like everybody else. Your performance won't be like anybody else's. And oh, one of my favorite things that my acting coach told me was, you know, like, oh, so if you have an audition for a lawyer, right, we OK, all of us could be a lawyer. Right. So you're like, oh, I'm a lawyer. And you put on your lawyer clothes and you all walk in and you put your hair back in a bun. Right. And you all look the same. Well, like, what is your lawyer, though? Like, as Cody, what is your lawyer? And he's like you're probably going to be wearing a pencil skirt with like a button that's a little too low. 
I'm like, okay, okay, yeah. And he's like, maybe your hair is a little messy because you didn't shower last night. I'm like, okay, yeah, that fits. And he's like, and maybe you spilled, like you spilled coffee on yourself this morning because you were in a rush because you were late because you were like hungover or whatever the story you're telling yourself is. And he's like, and that's your lawyer. So now you go into that audition, like that's not all written on the page for you, but that's who you are as the lawyer. So that's the lawyer you go in with who's like, maybe a little grouchy and maybe like, a, like using sex appeal a little bit. And that's not what the other person is going to do. You know what I mean? Like my, the, my description does not sound probably like what your description of your lawyer would be. Right. Like, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's always great. Like, like uh, uh, directors and stuff, they want actors to, you know, have their own interpretation of a character. They don't want, you know, every, you know, individual person, like, like uh, 20 people, all have the exact same, you know, interpretation of that character. It's like, no, just uh, because you're, you will be living the character. So, you know, put yourself in that mindset and just, how do you see the person, you know? And, and then yeah. uh, just, ju just act it out, hear how it sounds. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, yeah. Move on like to the when you're gig. those, when you're making those very, you just have to be so much more specific. Whereas like, again, when I was young, I would walk in and be like, we're all blonde and cute. Oh no. Uh, how am I ever going to book this? And now I'm like, I am so specifically giving you something. If that's what you want, then that's what it, then perfect. We're a match. But if it's not what you want, if you want the, like the rich lawyer who came from a rich family and like really has her stuff together, you know, or whatever, then that's like, that's just not me. And so that's great. Like if you wore the pencil skirt in there, we all, we might be like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> that's my next audition. Uh, <laughs> working away at it. Um, yeah, no. So that's great advice as well, too. Like, you know, like uh, uh, comparison is not good. Find who you are uh, through your own journey. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's a great way to uh, live. Um, Cody, awesome talking with you. And uh, feel free to uh, give a, uh, I know we talked about your upcoming show there earlier, but feel free to give, I don't know, like a big sales pitch or something like that. Why people should, should tune in where they should watch it. Uh, feel free. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So yeah, my name is Cody Renee Cameron. You can Google me. Um, but most of my socials are at, Hey, it's Cody H E Y I T S C O D double -E, -E. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a show out on my YouTube channel. Um, to find that, you go to youtube.com backslash at sign Iron Pony Show. Um, it's kind of a newer channel, so you very specifically have to type that in. Otherwise, it won't populate, which is super annoying. Um, it's so hard because I have half a million fans on Instagram, so you can find me like that. But because YouTube, I've been doing it for less than a year. It's so hard to find. So again, it's youtube.com backslash at iron pony show and yeah that is my labor of love it is the thing that i am most proud of i have pumped my heart and soul and time and energy into that and also um some of my own money i i got uh i fundraised and got sponsors that really supported me um but also have spent a lot of money myself on my editor <laughs> who is amazing <laughs> but um yeah definitely a labor of love so i appreciate every single view comments subscription so you know if you uh, are feeling generous today it does not cost anything for you to go click that subscribe button and watch 30 seconds of an episode and see if you like it um it's super relatable we're just riding motorcycles cross country stopping at food joints talking to small business owners people we meet at gas stations you know people that could be your grandma or your best friend 
and uh, there's a dog in it. So how could you not love it? Um, Million subscribers immediately right at the bat. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you hate dogs and fun, then don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a perfect way. Right? Yeah. If you don't like dogs, don't watch. How about that? That's the perfect. Yeah. I actually might make that the title of this episode. If you don't like dogs, don't watch. <laughs> Cute. I love it. Thank you for that idea, by the way. I, <laughs> I had oh, something well, else prepped. I had a few different ideas prepped, but now that's going to be the title. I love yeah. it. Well, and this whole project too, you know, as I was coming up with it, I was like, something just felt like, um, just like off about it. And then finally I was like, oh my gosh, it needs to be a charity that's the part I'm missing. Like I wanted, to, I want to give back to the community that's given so much to me. And so, uh, yeah, I raised $7,000 for, um, shoppers dog rescue where he was rescued from. And so that's just something else that I'm really proud of. And then in every episode we ask people to donate. So hopefully we've raised more money than seven K, but yeah, it's wagmorepets.org. And they're this amazing rescue in LA that rescues other like dogs in other countries and other States and stuff, but they do amazing charity work. Since we're talking about dogs, so yeah, dogs. <laughs> dogs, gotta love them. Uh, yeah. Cody, thank you so much for coming on. Thank, uh, first, uh, um, uh, congratulations for everything uh, you're doing. Uh, you're doing awesome stuff with, uh, uh, you know, not just you know all your movie projects and stuff like that, but with your you know motorcycle show, riding show, all all the charity work uh, you're doing. Uh, keep it up. Uh, it's we need more people like you on this earth that's for sure we need more people like you one person can make a difference and you've certainly made a difference so thank you so much for coming on the show today thank you i appreciate you and i'm glad you rescued your doggy too yeah I, actually mine's not a rescue actually uh i got mine from a breeder who's uh local here actually so uh i did rescue well uh my my very first dog was actually a rescue actually so and he passed away back uh 2019 christmas day 2019 was when he passed uh, away. So, but you still, was, you've given a dog a home, you know, and to me that's like, you know. Yes, exactly. Done. So even yeah. no matter where you get your dog, it's a rescue because they could have sent them off God knows where, you know what I mean? So the fact yeah. that, you know, we give them the best home that we possibly can, that's everything, you know. Is, is that your dog in the background? I thought I saw a tail wave. Yeah, this is Chopper. See, oh my God, look at him. This is audio only, so people are like, I want to see the dog. Go uh -huh. on our YouTube channel, guys, if you want to see the dog. Is is Chopper on the YouTube channel? Oh yeah, he's in like every thumbnail too, so. <laughs> yes, this is the perfect plug then. If you want to see the, <laughs> if you want to see a dog, you have you have to go to her channel. Now this is where everyone floods over to your channel. <laughs> exactly. Perfect plug. <laughs> So, guys, we are going to take a short break. Uh, we'll be right back. But until then, this is Frankie and Cody signing off. Thank you, Cody. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Corgan Entertainment Show. Uh, that was me chatting with Cody Renee Cameron. Definitely be sure to uh, check her out on uh, YouTube at Iron Pony Show on YouTube and watch Riding Route 60, Route, Route 62, <laughs> Riding Route 66. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Cody. Really appreciate it. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family and uh, your 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 uh, uh, fur babies. And uh, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um. So, uh, moving, yeah, uh, it's just crazy. The fact that I'm saying this now for our, our, our first solo discussion, 
Uh, two years ago, we had no- Spider-Man No Way Home come out, which I'm still in shock that I'm even saying that, that it's been two years. Uh, I still remember when, like, around the time when it came out last year, uh, I just... <laughs> It's just crazy that I'm saying that because what when it came out last year, it was still in the worst, like probably one of the worst parts of the pandemic. It was around the time where just everything was just miserable. Um, you know, can't, can't do nothing, can't do anything. Um, aside from like, yeah, hey, if you're to go to the movie theater, wear a mask, wear this, do this, do that. And um, so when we got to uh, No Way Home, it was one of those situations where because of all the rising levels of the COVID, you know, restrictions and stuff like that, all that, all that stupid shit, um, or not stupid shit, I guess they were doing what had to be safe. But anyways, uh, we, uh, it was a whole catastrophe, uh, all of 2020 and 2021, and No Way Home was like the shining light. It was like the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, "Oh my god, man! This is the this this makes me uh like the this is everything. This is like everything." Because uh, honestly, I'm trying to think. Um, I No Way Home was probably the first movie I saw since COVID. Um, I'm trying to think. Did I? I'm not sure if I saw something before then or not. I don't know. Oh no, it's not because I saw Halloween that year. Halloween uh kills or ends whatever uh, whichever one came out that year. Um. So, uh, yeah, so No Way Home, uh, it was just, that was just, it was just everything, just being able, like, so, having something to look forward to again during the pandemic, and uh, and then, you know, here here we are now, and it's two years later, and uh, the movie still holds up. Um, so just a throwback review, I thought this would be the perfect time to do a nice throwback review of the movie, one of the best MCU movies ever, hands down, the best Spider-Man movie we've ever had, uh, or at, at least the best Tom Holland one we had, because, I mean, of course, Spider-Man 2 with Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, that one there is very, very hard to beat. Um, and for me, m- my favorite Spider-Man movie before then was the first Andrew Garfield one. Uh, I still, that's still probably, like, my favorite one. I know, like, might be an unpopular opinion. I'm like, hey, I'm not saying it's the best. I still think Spider-Man 2 with uh, Sam Raimi is the best, but... Uh, which one do I like the best? Which one's my favorite? Probably The Amazing Spider-Man 1. Um, and that's just my opinion. I know people say, oh, but there's Spider-Verse. This, blah, blah, blah. No way. Yeah, it's like just look, movies are subjective. You know what I mean? Like that's they are subjective. Uh, if I said Spider-Man 3 was my number one, then I'd be like, oh, that's like, you know, Frankie, I think like, are you OK? Like, like, like the, that's when I'd be getting like all the concerning messages and emails. Like, are you OK? Do you need help? Uh, did we watch the same movie? Um so No Way Home, of course, picks up after uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, where uh, Mysterio has revealed uh, Sp- Peter pa- or Spider-Man's identity as Peter Parker, and uh, turning his whole life upside down, turning his friends' lives upside down, and so he goes to Doctor Strange to cast a spell to make everyone forget that Peter Parker Spider-Man, but then in doing so, no, I want uh, so-and-so to remember me, I want MJ to know who I am, I want Ned to know who I am, blah, 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 and if fucks everything up and then we get all these villains the multiverse opens up and we get to see uh, all kinds of amazing villains from all the other spider-man movies 
in different universes. Of course, we have uh, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, uh, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman, uh, and uh, Reese Iphons, or Iphons, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, as the Lizard, of course. Uh, oh, and uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro as well. And, um, oh my god, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Am I missing somebody? Did I get them all? Uh, no, I think that's everybody. Yeah, I, I, I think that's everybody. And um, so... Right off the bat, though, I mean, one thing that I think is a huge pro of the movie is that the fan service did not take away from solid, good storytelling. Um, you know, with these movies and uh, like people just think, oh, just throw Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin in there. You know, he's from the first Spider-Man movie, the first ever live action Spider-Man movie. People are just people will just love it just because, you know, even if it serves no purpose or whatever, people will like it. Uh, Toby and Andrew just throw Toby and Andrew in there people will just think that's amazing even if they have nothing to do with the story um, but the fact that they put them in there they put you know they had all these throwbacks to all the other movies and all the old actors coming back it still felt right it's it, it felt like that's what that like like my big concern was I said okay take Toby and Andrew out of the movie Take Willem Dafoe out of the movie. Take uh, Alfred Molina out of the movie. Is it still a good movie? And the answer is yes. It absolutely is a good movie. Or, well, maybe not throw the villains out. I mean, like, uh, take Toby and Andrew out of it. Because I I think, really, I mean, as exciting as it was to see, like, the villains and stuff like that, I think Toby and Andrew was the thing that people were really excited to see again. Um, But... Yeah, I said take to- Toby and Andrew out of the movie. Is it still a good movie? And the answer is yes. It absolutely is a fantastic movie. Uh, but having them in it was just like uh, y- uh, like the like the cherry on top. You know what I mean? So even if they weren't in it, uh, then it, it still would have worked. So I-, I was just so glad that we didn't like they didn't let the fan service just take over everything and that we just get a, a movie that's just filled with just, oh, here's so-and-so. Here's, oh, like, oh, look, remember me? I used to play um, uh, Peter Parker. Yeah, look at me now. And uh, look at me. I used to play Doc Ock. Like, I'm, I'm the original Doc Ock. And then it, it didn't take away from the story at all. We still got an absolutely stellar movie, amazing script, amazing story, great emotion. Uh, that's... Like it's definitely the most emotional of the you know three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, uh, probably one of the most emotional Spider-Man movies ever. I think Amazing Spider-Man Two kind of you know uh, takes that one out, of course, with the death of Gwen Stacy being so tragic. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, so just didn't let that take take away from it from it anything. Uh, they were able to do all the fan service, but yet give us a solid uh, script and a solid solid story, and it really worked. Um, next pro, I'm, I must say too, uh, has to be the performances, but in particular, Willem Dafoe, uh, Willem Dafoe. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I th- always thought Willem Dafoe was fantastic. Um, even in, in the first Spider-Man movie, he was awesome as, uh, uh, like our very first live action Spider-Man villain. Green Goblin's like my favorite Spider-Man villain. So, but just, oh my God, it was just when, when I watched No Way Home, uh, and, and I mean, like, and also keep in mind that it, it was a while since I've seen, like, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies before that. Uh, 
so I I guess I didn't really appreciate back then just how good Willem Dafoe was. Seeing him in No Way Home, it was just like slipping back into it. The dude was 60-some years old, like mid to late 60s, and he's like, the only way I'm coming back is if I could do my own stunts, and he absolutely crushed it. Um, and he just proves that, yeah, I mean, as amazing as everything else was, as amazing as Tom Holland was, as amazing it was to see all the three Spider-Man Willem Dafoe just came back and proved why he's the best Spider-Man villain of all time, in my opinion. Um, and just, yeah, him in, in, in particular, I think, was the show stealer. I was just mesmerized by his... <clears throat> mesmerized? Puberty. I was just mesmerized by his performance in this. Um, so he was fantastic. Tom Holland, Zendaya... Uh, you know, they were all awesome as well, too. Uh, but definitely Willem Dafoe was the show stealer for me. Um, and, uh, and it's surprising because I say Andrew Garfield, yeah, he was absolutely fantastic, too. Uh, and he was one of the reasons why I was so looking forward to Spider-Man No Way Home. But Willem Dafoe just stole everything. Willem Dafoe was just the best part of the movie, in my opinion. As awesome as Toby and Andrew were, which that's going to be my next, uh, pro... The fact that they put them in there and not just, I mean, uh, kind of going back to the fan service, uh, not taking away from good solid storytelling. Um, they very easily could have just had them show up and just, hey, guys, I used to play Spider-Man. Look at me. And then just pop in and then pop out and just might take you out of it. They played a crucial role in the movie. Like uh, it was basically through their experiences and uh, like, you know, uh, Toby, uh, him talking about like, yeah, like uh, my aunt anger or like you know i i got my uh, my uncle ben killed and um andrew says yeah uh i couldn't save gwen like she died i got rageful or whatever and then uh, we see him redeem himself uh for not being being able to save gwen by saving mj which was one of the most heartfelt moments in the entire movie um and definitely his best part of the movie. But just even just seeing the three of them just talking, I'm like, I literally could have watched that for two hours and I would have just been absolutely just <laughs> blown away. It was so good. It was just so amazing seeing that. And even though I now, I mean, like, I know that there were lots of like, are, is Toby and Andrew uh, going to be in the movie? Like, is are, are they in it? Oh, oh, they're not in it. Andrew Garfield saying he's not in it, which is just a meme from now on that he's just denying that he's in it. Um, someone made a joke. They said, uh, I really hope that even after the movie comes out that, that Andrew still denies that he's in it. Like, <laughs> that's just basically what it is. There's literally like leaked photos everywhere of him on the set. And he's just like, that's not me. Which, I mean, to be fair, what what's he supposed to say? He's under contract. He can't outright say anything, you know? Um... But just even if we knew it was coming, like they never outright confirmed it, even though, because I mean, I was kind of guessing, like, th like, like, uh, as soon as the uh, the reports first came out, I'm like, no, nah, there's no way. It's just, it's just a bunch of shit. And then we saw some pictures of Toby on set, and then we saw the picture of Andrew on set in costume that leaked uh, green screen video, and then it was kind of like, okay, they're probably in it. And then, uh, of course, we had those ones that uh, um, were leaked by John Campia uh, uh, accidentally. Uh, which basically just confirmed, like, okay, yeah, they're in it. Like, you know, don't worry, guys, they're in it. And uh, I even said, I I said, the one thing, I mean, like, going into it, I said, I just want to know if Toby and Andrew are in it. I didn't see the, the movie till that Saturday, and I texted a friend who went and saw it uh, the day before. I'm like, only spoiler I want to know is, it, is are Toby and Andrew in it? And they just said, yes, they are. So I just, okay, that's all I need to know. And even seeing them still was so exciting. Like, it was like, it didn't even matter that I knew that they were going to be in it. It was just still so exciting. 
even going on YouTube and watching the videos of just people getting so excited when Andrew steps out and takes off his mask, the audience just flips out. Oh, uh, so good. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, my theater wasn't doing that. We were also uh, we almost got our seats taken away. I we 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 bought our our uh, uh, seats online, our tickets online, and uh, they the they walked up to us and said that uh, oh um uh uh sorry due to COVID uh, rules we're like can you guys move uh, this way and uh, they it, it was like eight of us or something like that. And we all bought them together. And it was like, uh, can uh, four of you uh, move down uh, two rows ahead of you and left three of us up there? And it was like, what are you still? It was just so weird. It was like, even just saying that kind of confuses me. It was just that whole day was so f fucked up. And then the manager came and he's like, what the fuck? What, what, like, like uh, you're not supposed to, like, like, guys, what are you doing? Like, uh, you guys got to move. Blah, blah, blah. It was just like, oh, my God. Anyways. We ended up seeing it. It was everything. It was just that time with COVID was just so like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it was just so crazy. Um. Anyways, I'm getting off track about the movie. I don't know why I went off that tangent. Um. And, uh, but my big critiques with the movie were, first off, was some of the humor was, and I mean, like, I get it. MCU was known for a lot of this stuff. You know, quirky MCU humor. But in this one... Uh, just didn't land for me a lot of them a lot of them were just like okay they're trying too hard uh which i mean now i know you know I, I say guardians of the galaxy volume three i like their humor better even though like that was like you know all it's supposed to be humorous or whatever but it's it's i don't know for this one here it was just like i felt it was too much Guardians of the Galaxy, it just kind of works, but uh, but 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 with the Spider-Man movies, I was just kind of thinking like, okay, yeah, like a lot of the jokes were funny, don't get me wrong, but then there were some points where I'm like, okay, you're trying so hard, just stop, like it just, oh, it was kind of annoying. And uh, the other one was just uh, how they wrote Peter during the whole, uh, I we we need to save these people, like we need to save the villains, like they he wants to keep them in. Uh, and uh, uh, before saying the back, he wants to help them first, which it's a nice thing to do. But it was to me, I'm like, man, why are you doing this, man? Like you're literally putting everybody's lives in danger just to save these villains that you don't even really know these people. You know what I mean? Like, why do you want to help? Like, it almost just seemed like he just wanted to just prove that he was the good guy. And he just wanted to just, hey, guys, I just help these people like just to make himself look better. But what he was doing was putting everybody at risk. And in doing so, it got Aunt May killed, which I mean, like I get it. It really, really helped for his character. That feels the guilt like like, like uh, it's all my fault and everything, which I mean, yeah, like you should have just sent them home. You should have just, you know, like it was just there's so many ways it could have been avoided. I didn't personally didn't like that. And I know there was a lot of people who didn't like that either. I just thought they could have handled it a little better. That part, like maybe like just have some other reason why he wants to help them so bad or or or, or maybe not that just some way that just didn't make him look so selfish um, it was just that part that really bothered me about his character was that he didn't give a shit about anybody else, but just, we got to help these people. It's like, no man, like you're, and even Dr. Strange, like he knows more about the multiverse than anybody would. And he's just like, look, look, like we, you can't fuck with this. Basically you cannot fuck with the multiverse. And he just took it. He, you know, went out of his way. I want to look like the good guy here and this and that. And then went out and, you know, all this bad stuff happened. So that was my big critique, my big, big critique. And I was just like, I just wish they could have handled that a lot better. But aside from that, and aside from the humor that felt off at some parts, um, 
it was an absolutely fantastic movie, and uh, it's one that you know I think we're all gonna remember forever. And um, you know, just I talked a couple weeks ago about how uh, Spider-Man Four is in development. Tom Holland gave kind of an update on it, uh, and I'm so looking forward to seeing it and just seeing how well how it goes from there. And I just hope that. In the the next Spider-Man movie, that that they don't retcon really anything. I know people say, oh, we we want to see um uh you know Peter uh reconcile with uh, MJ and Ned. I'm like, personally, I don't want that because it would just undermine the whole ending of No Way Home. It's the same reason why I don't want Robert Downey Jr. to come back as Iron Man because it's just gonna it's it's gonna ruin the entire you know his entire sacrifice at the end of Endgame you know and that's kind of the same deal with No Way Home he literally sacrifices loses everything he cares about just so they can be safe you know so if it just goes back to just hey he actually remembers them it was just so powerful it might ruin it a bit so we'll see how it goes but uh two years ago man it's crazy it's still crazy to think about that uh guys definitely be sure to let me know what, what you think about spider-man no way home two years later does it still hold up for you is it still one of the best movies you ever saw definitely be sure to let me know your thoughts on uh that end and your and uh, just give your review i'd love to hear uh, your review on that and our uh, last main discussion topic today is, uh, it's not going to be a very, very big one. Uh, I kind of got the big one out of the way out the bat with No Way Home, but I wanted to talk about Lucky Hank. Uh, now, this is a show, uh, for those of you guys who don't know what it is, uh, this was, of course, the um, new Bob Odenkirk series right after Better Call Saul, um, uh, based off the book Straight Man. Uh, Bob Odenkirk plays Hank Devereaux. He's a, a college professor at a, in a university who's, you know, on the verge of like a midlife crisis, full blown meltdown, all that kind of stuff. Um, very, very, uh, like, you know, office kind of type thing, uh, with all the, you know, crazy teachers and his co like, you know, his coworkers. And, uh, uh, he also has some family troubles as well. Um, it had an eight-episode first season uh, that was on AMC. It aired back in March. Uh, and we, after the finale, it was around April, May, we didn't hear anything about a renewal for a long time. And so we're kind of thinking, like, is it renewed? But then, of course, we had the writer's strike, so it was kind of like, okay, maybe it's just we just don't know. Like, maybe they don't know. Maybe they're just trying to get their shit together because of the strike. Um, but we just found out last week that uh, no, Lucky Hank is going to be canceled. Uh, it's not going to be renewed for season two. Um, what are my thoughts? Um, it's a bummer. I gotta say, it, 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 like, it is a bummer. I understand why it's being canceled. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's, you know, like, it's as much as I understand it, I also agree you know what I mean? From a business point of view. Um, Lucky Hank was a really good show. I, I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, there were parts of it that were like, I mean, like the the, the first couple episodes were really good. Uh, um, the next couple kind of dragged out a bit. Episode five, I think, was probably the best episode of them. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, very emotional. Very, you know, it was that was the moment where I'm like, OK, this show is something special. And hopefully it can go on longer and then uh it it, it uh, went out pretty strong or fairly strong not like big big finale but it, it was a decent ending to the season or series now i should say um and uh so i you know and you know it it kind of serves as a nice mini series like i mean I, I won't spoil it for people who haven't watched it but i mean when you watch the finale it is a very nice way to i mean like you know it's they you can tell they were kind of setting it up for a second season 
but they were also kind of leaving it fairly wrapped up. So then that way, if it didn't get a season two, then we'd be somewhat satisfied. And I think it, that worked out in that end. But to me, I think the, um, I mean, the problem is, I mean, um, some people think like just because a show is fantastic and me and like, oh my God, this show is really, really good. And I love the show. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, that it has to be renewed. Like, the, uh, the thing is, because, I mean, like, even, like, uh, let me just pull up the ratings for it. I just want to pull up um, Lucky Hank. I thought I should have had this ready. Uh, Lucky Hank. I just want to see if it has, like, the ratings. Yeah, uh, so, like, um, U.S. million viewers, uh, 0 0.300. Um, uh, yeah, just between, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's really not much. You know what I mean? Like, it's not many people watched it. And that's the problem because, I mean... Quantity over quality at this point. Sure, the show may have been good. The show had lots of potential, but you know, if it's losing the money to make it, if it's you know, there's there's a lot of factors at play aside from just I like the show and I want to see it continue. And uh, you know, there's lots of different uh, angles to it. You know what I mean? Like, um, would I have renewed it? I mean, as a fan of the show absolutely i would have but i mean from from a business point of view you got to look at a business now those viewer the viewership things that i just read like the ratings for for uh the entire show that i don't believe that includes like streaming well i i, I because nowadays who watches streaming or sorry <laughs> who watches cable nobody it's all streaming nowadays uh, so, I mean, that's where I watched a, a, a lot of the episodes. I watched maybe two episodes on cable and then I just watched the rest on, uh, AMC plus. Um, so I don't know how well it was doing on AMC plus. I mean, I pop on Reddit cause I mean, I like every time I watch a TV show that I like, I follow the subreddit and keep up with, you know, the post episode discussions and predictions for the next episode. Lucky Hank, I would go on the episode discussion. It would be like four comments. Like nobody was, you know, really seemed interested in it. Which is a shame because, you know, the show did have a lot of potential. Bob Odenkirk, of course, fantastic actor. Um, and but but one problem that I had with the show, too, I mean, uh, a lot of the characters were just so incredibly unlikable. And in some cases, it's good for shows like that, you know, you know, to have people who are flawed and this and that. But there were just so many characters where we're watching and I'm like, I I don't like this person like his like his uh his, his his daughter is just the worst like she's just such an annoying little shit and she's just like oh there's just so so much wrong with it really and his co-workers i mean like of course i mean like that's what they're trying to get at that you know that oh his co-workers are, are are pains in the asses but it got to the point where i'm just like you know and you guys are treating hank like he's the bad guy i'm like well no like hank's just you know you guys are just like Cut, cut, cut him some fucking slack you know what i mean like it's just and look i mean like the protagonist I, I mean it's one of those things where as long as the protagonist is likable then that's the main thing but it was almost like they were trying to show that the protagonist is just an asshole it's like you know he's not really an asshole you know what i mean like people are pushing his buttons and people are just being dick like a dick to him you know what i mean and like he's just snapping and then they're looking at him like he's the bad guy um, that's just how I see it, and that was just the one thing that I really couldn't stand, where just the characters were just so, I just could not stand them a lot of times, aside from Hank, you know what I mean? But, 
anyways, that's where I stand on that. I mean, that's kind of a short topic. Um, you know, I kind of want to just say, like, I am a little upset that the show is not going to get renewed. Um, and I was really hoping, I was really kind of pushing for it and and really hoping that we we're, we we're going to get a season two. But unfortunately, it is what it is. You know, like, if, if, if it's not working for AMC, then they kind of got to, you know, those are decisions that you got to make in business. If it's not working, you got to just cut ties and move on. Uh, that, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um but anyways, uh, guys, if uh, any of you listening have watched Lucky Hank, definitely be sure to let me know what you think because, uh, you know, I liked it, you know, quant- quantity over quality in this case. If, if if people aren't watching it, if it's taking in the ratings, then there's no sense in continuing it on, you know. But uh, definitely interested to see where you guys uh, stand on that. Maybe some of you haven't even watched it. Who knows? But, um, you know, Bob Bonenkirk's a fantastic actor, of course, after Better Call Saul. He's going to have no trouble getting work. You know, to him, it's just like, yeah, whatever. All right. Like, I got 20 other calls for TV shows. I'll just, you know, go take one of them, (laughs) basically. Um, But, uh, yeah, anyway, so, guys, we're going to call it for the show there today. I want to thank my guest, Cody Renee Cameron. Guys, definitely uh, just another plug. Be sure to go on uh, at Iron Pony Show on YouTube and check out Riding Route 66 uh, with Cody uh, Renee Cameron. And... um, yeah, so thank you guys so much. Thank thank you for listening to the podcast every Tuesday. Uh, I'll see you all on Saturday. Uh, we're also going to have a guest on there as well. I'll announce on social media who that is. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, so the, uh, our last Tuesday episode, season finale this Saturday. Take a break for a week, and then we'll be back the next Tuesday for season three. Super stoked. Thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll call it there for the show today. So take her easy, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas to some uh, 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 to all of you. Happy holidays, uh, even though I will still see you guys on Saturday. Uh, either way, enjoy the holidays. Maybe you know you're not gonna bother listening to podcasts until after Christmas. But so if this is the last if this is the last episode that you listen to this year, thank you so much, and I hope you come back for season three. So take her easy, guys.